So you guys know I like to kind of ease into my day, right? It's been pretty well established. You've been working with me for a while. I don't show up. Like, let's go. Let's do the day. Yeah, I'm not, not coming that guy. in blazing hot. No, nope. no, I'm not that guy. I show up and it's, I've been listening to some podcast and I just, not angry, but surly, I think would be the, I'm a surly morning person. It takes me a little while. I'm, I'm usually half anxious because I'm thinking, oh my God, my brain's not awake. I'm not up yet. I'm not awake. What am I going to say on this stupid show that I do? Oh God. <laughs> oh God. Oh God. Oh God. Focus. Try to get, try to get ready. And then just a gift happened. A gift. One of the guys in the office, one of the sports guys in the office comes up and just bangs me right in the morning with his Otani take, you know, <laughs> like just comes up and points me out and says, Otani to the Dodgers or something, you know, something, something along those lines. It's like, he's just using us for the leverage to go to the Dodgers. And I went, you know, I wasn't going to start my show today with arguing with the internet because sometimes I think it's a little lame when I come on and I go, here's what I think and the internet does. And it's like, okay, but most people aren't actually having that conversation. Maybe it's just Twitter. And I debated that this morning. I went, is this something people are really saying or is this just a Twitter thing because everybody has an opportunity to say something and so you end up seeing more than you should of a certain take? No. It's a real life take. And this gets back to the conversation I had with Sid a few weeks ago about Toronto insecurities, right? The weirdness of being a Toronto sports fan, how sometimes we root against our own teams in a way that I'm not sure other markets do. I think that some East Coast markets are similar. I think we share more similarities with like Philly and Boston and New York that will turn and hate on their teams. Mm -hmm. But ours has this like added layer of insecurity to it. For sure. There's this added layer of just like, well, we don't want people to be treating us like we're different than the other teams, even though we're up in Canada. But deep down, we know we're so different and you don't want anything to do with us because we're weird. We're the up there country. Hope nobody notices. Come here. Look at Toronto. Look how much like America it looks. Yeah. Hope you don't notice. <laughs> Hope you like poutine. Yeah. <laughs> Ketchup chips are cool. Please like them. And so I get smacked, right? Just, just walloped. I, I'm just sitting there and jaw just jostled by the Shohei conspiracy take of an actual sports person in the office. Seven minute. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he cold cocks me with his Shohei conspiracy. And I, I said, thank you. Thank you, Simon. Because now I can do this and know that I'm not just raging against the internet. There is, so, I get it. The Jays have often been the bridesmaid to stars. It's, it's happened before, right? I, the first guy I can actually kind of remember is Dice K, where people got a little oh. excited about Dice K, and then it turned out that, no, they, they weren't even close on Dice K. And there's been a few others throughout history, of course. But uh, this is one of those things where it feels like you're way too locked into your own team. Because guess what happens to every team? They strike out on free agents and trade acquisitions. Like, Toronto, the, if you're a Raptors fan, I get it when you say, oh, no free agent's going to come here. Because literally, 
Kawhi won a championship here, <laughs> had the city go, we'll feed you for free forever. We'll yeah. give you the most amount of money. We'll give you a private jet to fly around wherever the hell you want. And you have an opportunity to do what is the, the thing that everybody in basketball does down to the lowest level of the sport, which is run it back. And he went, I'm cool. Yeah. Plus, like, you can play 40 games if yeah. you want. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll take care of you. We'll do whatever the hell you want. And he went, peace. So, Raptors fans, actually, you get to have the most pessimism. And because the championship was won and there was a long stretch of real success, it's almost like that fan base actually has the most optimism. Leafs fans, the Tavares signing was big. But, yeah, free agents have signed here. And it's, it's hockey. It's a flat cap. It's totally different. The Blue Jays, I think they were 11th in payroll last year. Maybe they were a little higher. But I thought it was 11th. This is just a going off 12th? Okay, oh, Armin, you better be right about that correction because Ben Nichols Smith about to come on and if you just buzzed <laughs> in my ear to get a wrong payroll stat, I'd be choked at you. But yeah, okay, so they they haven't, they, they tried to sign Garrett Cole, right? They didn't get Garrett Cole. So this happens from time to time and it's frustrating. And I get the feeling of like, oh, is someone using you for leverage? Yes, because that absolutely happens. I understand being skeptical of Shohei Otani signing here because it's like, you know, it's a, it's not a 50-50 proposition. It's less than that. Obviously, we know other teams involved. We know they're competing against the Dodgers that have a more advantageous geographical location, a, a longer track record of regular season and postseason success. Like, I, I, everybody gets it. Everybody understands, for the most part anyways, that the Shohei Otani thing is not likely to materialize, that it's far less than 50%. And yet, for some reason, there seems to be this, like, added layer of pessimism that this isn't just a, that this isn't just, Hey, a superstar that might even be using Toronto for leverage. Cause even that one, I'm like, okay, maybe even though again, it runs counter to everything that we've heard about Shohei Otani mm -hmm. so far, mm -hmm. but there's this, Hey, you know what I think this is? What it could be is Rogers and uh, Sportsnet and uh, the front office and uh, cabal trying to, distract you from what happened last regular season. And I don't understand this take. This take is truly insane. This is what got to be the craziest take ever. And I know I work here. So it's just, if you're in the conspiracy now, he's like, <laughs> yeah, ah, see, he this acknowledged proof. it. He you're proving it. it. He acknowledged <laughs> it. But all I have to say is, okay, first of all, I'm, I'm a big believer in all conspiracies that the, how many people does it take to keep a secret? Because in my life, you got three people holding on to a secret. It's getting out. <laughs> it's getting out. So, yeah, this uh, entire network of people, that's already like the number one flaw. But the biggest thing is I don't understand the reasoning. So you think that the Shohei Otani thing is a distraction, but that the Jays won't sign him, and then they'll go into the season with crappier players, lesser players, <laughs> And that will somehow work out for everyone involved. Like this is actually the riskiest proposition of them all is trying to have this from an optic standpoint. If you fail and then you don't, then all of a sudden you're in a position where like either you're trading a ton of assets for a guy that's going to require like a whack of money to the point where the Yankees are balking at it. They're going, hmm, I don't know, give up assets and have to pay this guy. It's just, it, it, this is a high wire act. This makes no sense. Nobody's trying to distract anybody here. This is pretty clear and obvious. You're chasing the greatest free agent in MLB history. He loves just a massive amount of secrecy. But what we do know, because Ken Rosenthal tweeted it basically in the middle of the night, and then I was up again for two more hours reading Ben Nicholson Smith's piece, who's online just patiently waiting, just like, oh, shut up, stop ranting. 
as Shohei Otani was in Dunedin. He was, he was checking out the facilities and he was meeting with Ross Atkins who tried to fool everybody by holding a Zoom conference with a piece of white paper behind him. Anyways, Ben Nicholson-Smith, uh, part of the conspiracy here at Sportsnet. What's up, brother? Hey, J.D. Uh, you know, here in Nashville at the winter meetings, things are very interesting. It's been a very interesting couple of days with a chance to get even more um, compelling for everyone connected to the Blue Jays. So we'll see, right? It's like it's high stakes at this oh, point yeah. in time. and There's a lot to dive into, so I'll let you lead it from here. Bro, it's the highest stakes because now you see that like yesterday when the Zoom stuff started to happen and it was just very clear that that was why he had shifted the in-person to a Zoom. Like, it's it's the winter meetings, right? He, he's, he's not missing that. He's like, oh, I missed my flight. It's no big deal. Uh, clearly, Ross missed it because it was Shohei-related, and now we know that it is. But, yeah, what was the buzz like? Like, how are you interpreting that right now, the the idea of Shohei meeting them and actually looking at, um, yeah, what the Blue Jays have? Yeah, for sure. Like, to dial it back to yesterday, um, yeah, I've covered a lot of winter meetings all the way you know, the last 10 plus years of winter meetings and every single time, except for the pandemic, it's always in the GM suite. It's never even in a hallway. It's in the GM suite. You go in there. This is what Ross Atkins has done for many years. And this is what Alex Anthopoulos did, like literally every single avail. So, Mm. you know, on day one of the winter meetings, that's like how they kick them off. So as soon as the Blue Jays said that something um, was going to change and that he was not going to be able to meet in person, you knew something was up. And and look, like A.J. Preller is here. All the other GMs are here. All the other agents are here. The only agent, the only prominent agent who's not here, to my knowledge, is Nez Bolello, who reps Shohei Otani. So at that point, knowing the meetings had taken place in Los Angeles, which me reporting that, by the way, totally spooked other teams, including the Blue Jays, and no one wanted to confirm that. No one wanted to say anything but they, because they didn't want to set off any alarms. But mm. At that point, I'm thinking, okay, are the Jays still in Los Angeles or has something else happened? And, you know, with Ken's report, which, you know, really, really interesting stuff there, now we know that the reason for the absence was Ross Atkins was probably sitting in a boardroom. I've, I've been in some of those little boardrooms in that complex in Dunedin, Florida, mm-hmm. and sitting there, and he had probably just given a tour to Shohei Otani along with Mark Shapiro. Oh, man. <sighs> There's, it's hard not to at least think this about him being there. During this time, when everyone is getting that business done, like, isn't it fair to say how much, if Shohei is there and he's looking at the, what is it, uh, $80 million uh, Dunedin renovations, right? Yeah. Um, that that is a sign of the most serious interest that we can interpret so far from Shohei. By far, by far. Like, it is... So my understanding was he was spotted in California in recent weeks. Um, his his private life, of course, very secretive, but believed to live um, somewhere in the Southern California area in the off season, spend some of his time there. So that is not a short flight to go from, let's say it's LAX to Tampa. It's a cross country flight. You know, there are videos out there. You can, if you're just a little bit curious, I'm sure the Blue Jays would have been happy to provide him all kinds of video material if he was just, hey, yeah, I want to spend 15 minutes and browse this video. But this is a totally different level of commitment for a guy who's said to be very detail-oriented, obviously cares a ton about his preparation, his recovery work behind the scenes. And if you're a baseball geek, then this is a cool place to be, right? This is You hear Mark Shapiro talk about it. He's super excited about it. 
not everyone in baseball is. Some people just say, get out there, play the game, don't worry about that stuff. But for some people, this is really appealing. And that $80 million, some of which, of course, was paid for by like Pinellas County and not even paid for by the Blue Jays, but that would be money so well spent if it, it, it actually it already has been. Even just to get to this point where Shohei Otani seems to be um, considering the Blue Jays very seriously, I mean, that is pretty significant and we don't know where this is going to go uh clearly the dodgers are a force to be reckoned with they won the world series and then they won 100 three straight 100 win seasons so do not rule the dodgers out in this the the jays are they still have work to do um and we still don't know where shohei otani is going to choose but the jays appear to be a finalist for his services and that's not something that i would have expected a few weeks ago let alone you know a few days ago yeah that's that's it for me is this is at least more than I ever expected. Like, I, I never would have, if you would have told me at the beginning of the show, hey, sweepstakes or whatever, like when basically we've all talked about it, we've all dreamed on it, and there was that, I think the first, uh, the apple in the garden of Shohei Eden is the pass and the Jays are looking to make a splash Shohei thing, right? Is there something before that? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, you could, you could trace it back further um, to, you know, just 2017 when he was coming over and the Blue Jays had sure. an interest then. But, but yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. But the they, belief they, that and, and they could actually yeah. try to get this guy was sort of there. And I went, uh, just like most of us, like very spect- uh, skeptical. And I, again, I understand all the Blue Jays fans right now that are like, he's probably not going to sign here. Even for me, this, this feels like the part where Kawhi stepped off the private jet and there was a helicopter trying to f- fly around in Toronto, following him to Yorkville and seeing where the Raptors were going to end up meeting him and what the pitch was going to be. Like, we, we have seen this movie before, him being down at the Florida Complex League. Like, that doesn't really mean anything other than the interest is serious here. But I liked your, you know, everyone should go read your piece that's up on sportsnet.ca right now because it's uh, in pitch to Shohei Otani, how would Blue Jays likely make their case? And you go through this thing, and it's, it's really detailed, it's smart, it outlines a lot of different stuff, but I thought, why would they meet him in Florida? And, and I think that maybe your article has some really good reasoning as to why they would want to bring him there. Well, exactly, because if you look at what it means to train in Major League Baseball, it shifted a lot and it shifted pretty quickly. So, for example, you've got your Florida teams, your Arizona teams, and Arizona's awesome. I mean, Arizona's a great place, and some of the complexes there are really nice. But the Dodgers happen to share theirs with the Chicago White Sox, the Angels have an older facility there. So, and of course, because Shohei Otani has played for the Angels for the first six years of his career, he literally would, there's no such thing as like interleague spring training. Like he would literally never have gone to Florida. There never would have been a reason to go to Florida to play um, in those Grapefruit League stadiums that the Blue Jays play in. So this would be totally different to him. And it's a new facility that was just completed a couple of years ago. And it's cool. Like it's a, it's, you know, it's, it's not for fans really. So, uh, you know, it's, but for players, it, it's a cool spot. They have all kinds of resources there. Um, I tweeted out a, a video to it. If anyone wants to go and take a look um, and it's, it's to me, yeah, this is, this is uh, an advantage that the blue Jays have over some of these teams. Um, and I think that Shohei Otani's decision to visit there, take a cross country flight as he is making the most important decision of his life to this point. Um, like, this reflects serious interest in the Blue Jays. That's where this thing is tipped for me, where it's not just that the Blue Jays have serious interest in Shohei Otani. It's mutual. And where that goes, again, we don't know. He could still choose the Dodgers. But 
at this point, it seems pretty clear that the Blue Jays are one of the small group of finalists for his services. So my only thing is, how will you interpret the longer this takes now, given that this is likely the Blue Jays making their biggest and best pitch? Yeah, biggest for sure. And and yeah, I agree You know, with some of your earlier points that this is, yeah, this is this is a good step for the Blue Jays. You know, it's if you're if you're willing to spend five hundred million dollars plus, which clearly they are, yep. you do not go to this point only to offer him three hundred. That would be insulting, and frankly, it would be a waste of your resources. It would be a waste of your front office. It'd be a waste of your fans' time. It'd be a waste of everything involved. So, it, the Blue Jays are, are obviously willing to go five hundred plus on Shohei Otani. That is not lip service. That would be a massive, massive gamble you know to to take if they weren't actually serious about it um so that much is very clear but yeah i mean where as for what happens now you just have to hand it over to shohei otani and Mm -hmm. very few people know him he has a very small circle he's close with his interpreter ipe um obviously his agent nesboello was involved maybe one or two others but his circle is very small there have not been any leaks from shohei otani so far so i wouldn't expect that now i think that all you can do is hand it over to him let him make his decision. It's, he's earned the right to be a free agent and make this decision. And if you're the Jays, you hope that you've made the pitch of a lifetime because this would be by far the biggest deal in the history of the franchise. Yeah, no question. Um, and I, I like I, I was trying to think about what it would consist of in terms of the greatest Canadian sports stories, like what a moment this would be. Like it's obviously more impactful to the country that they won uh, Olympic gold in hockey, right, in Vancouver. But that's the Canadian hockey team winning uh, a hockey tournament, ultimately. It's like, that, is that far-fetched? No. <laughs> Was it awesome? Yes. The Jays signing modern-day Babe Ruth to the biggest contract in baseball's history is, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, I, like, it's, it's hard to overstate how big of a coup this would be for the company, for legacies of everybody that's involved in the signing, for the baseball operation, for the fans, for the outlook of what this team is going to be for the next eight years. Like, it's just, it's massive, 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 massive stuff. And again, I do implore people to go uh, to sportsnet.ca or go to your Twitter, at uh, B. Nicholson-Smith. Uh, I just shared your the post because you the, the piece that you wrote, like, I actually almost thought they should have you in the room. I was like, get Benny in there. He knows what he's talking about. Get him in there with Shohei. Give him the pitch. Because I, I, I wonder how much that they have at their disposal outside of the stuff that you just wrote. Um, you also, you've been like, you're big in Japan. <laughs> in some circles, yeah. Yeah, like you're doing, you're doing Japanese sports radio. Like, what are you, what are they asking you? How, how does this work? Because I know that you did like a ton of, like, I don't even know if it was sports radio. Like, what are you doing media-wise at the winter meetings for everybody back in Japan? Yeah, it's been interesting, actually, um, because, um, yeah, as I've been, you know, just walking around here, um, it hasn't been uncommon for me to be stopped by Japanese media um, who are looking to report. They're extremely thorough. Obviously, the interest level on Shohei Otani in Japan is extreme. So, um, you know, from they might frame it as, you know, Canadian reporter discusses Blue Jays reported Shohei Otani pursuit, that sort of thing. And then it's like an interview with me about what I think. Um, and, you know, clearly there's just so much interest. He's such a global, global star. And it would be a preview. And this whole thing, in a lot of ways, is a preview of what it would be like for Shohei Otani to play for the Toronto Blue Jays. Because, again, remember, 
this is the beginning of a relationship. If he chooses to leave the Angels, this will be the beginning of a new relationship between Shohei Otani and his new team. And this now is the chance to start that and to start it in the way that it's probably going to continue. So who's in charge of that relationship? Who's making the calls? Who is the one who is kind of following the lead of the other and and making sure that they are not stepping out of line? Well, Mm. the way this is unfolding right now, the teams that are interested are towing the line. Team executives are petrified of saying the wrong thing about Shohei Otani. Mm-hmm. Like you listen to the managers talk about it, the GMs. When I run into people in the hallways here, it's like, I, you know, they'll maybe give me a little nod and just like accelerate in the other yeah, direction. Yeah, I want to see you. They're like, don't, don't, please don't, please don't. Just yeah. walk away. Go and, the other direction. And, and which I get, like even Ross Atkins yesterday, it's like there was all downside to him talking publicly. And, you know, yeah. obviously as a media member, I'm happy he did. Like he's tired. It's been he's been recruiting Shohei Otani. That's where his energy goes. Like he, he like could could step out of line and say the wrong thing, but he which he didn't. But end of the day, that's CAA exerting a certain amount of control, which is they're right as as you know the representatives for Shohei Otani. And so if he had, wherever he ends up signing, there's going to be a relationship there that's being formed this week, whether it's with the Blue Jays or a different team. And because Otani is so unique and he faces so much pressure and he has so many demands on his time, they are they have interest in in setting that relationship off on a in a certain direction. And so there's so many layers to this thing. We could obviously talk about it for hours and who knows? Maybe we'll be talking about it for years, but they got some work to do first. Yeah. Again, um your piece made me believe just a little bit more because I just went through it where it's like, Yep, the Dodgers have to share a spring training facility with the White Sox. I was like if, if Shohei Otani is as big of a baseball nerd as it appears he is, maybe that actually is a feather in the cap. Maybe he is looking at these renovations and all this different stuff that the Blue Jays are invested in and their just commitment to that. And he's saying, hmm, I, I don't mind this, actually. I like the privacy of this place. I like being in a market where I will be able to dominate but also be able to have my privacy potentially a little bit more. Like, yeah, I, I actually thought that the point you, you made about, hey, L.A. has a lot of star athletes that absorb a lot of the oxygen. I, I got to wonder how he feels, right? Like, he was already with the Angels, and there was already the jokes that people like me would have, and I know it would be different playing for the Dodgers, but of, hey, nobody's watching Otani because the games are on at 10 o'clock at night. What it would mean to him to be on the East Coast, but also in a place that's not a, a media market where he's going to get a completely... Uh, yeah, destroyed if things go poorly for a couple of weeks, like New York. I, I, I don't know. Just reading that piece, it just it feels more and more like it could actually make sense for this guy. Uh, and like, if the money's there, you've got the the outreach of this company. You've got the yeah, <laughs> the the teammates around you that do win ninety games, and all of a sudden you put him in there. Like, what what is Shohei as a WAR player? Like eight, eight, yeah, eight, nine. Okay. So now you're trying to sell him on the idea of like, Hey, we've got this base here. Now we're taking it up to being like, yeah, close to a hundred win team every single season. Like it's the case is more compelling. I think than some people want to believe it to be, let's just put it that way. Like pessimistic blue Jays fans. And I get it because I was as pissed at this team as anybody. That's why I feel like I should have some equity here is like, I've also hated on this front office as much as anyone humanly possibly could. I've doubted this team so many times, but the case for this guy, it's like, he's not going to the Pittsburgh pirates here. Like there is a real foundation where he slots in and you go, damn this, this, this makes sense. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think, like, this is where so much hangs in the balance right now. It's like, you know, we're just waiting to see where he goes. The Blue Jays clearly have made multiple pitches to him by this point, and they're, they've been good ones. Like, they've been good enough to get to this final stage. But regardless, like, the kind of the way that we're going to perceive this is still unknown because it could be the ultimate letdown for Toronto free agent pursuit. And certainly in the history of blue Jays free agent pursuit, this would obviously be the biggest letdown on that respect by far. Like this, you know, the DJ LeMahieu stuff, like, you know, that is nothing compared to this. Um, But then on the other hand, if they do sign them, then all of a sudden it doesn't erase the pain of, being knocked out of the playoffs the last couple of years. That's still real. It's, that decision was still what it was. And, um, you know, the, there's still there's still frustration there. But at the same time, imagine how differently fans would view ownership um, if they yeah. signed the biggest free agent contract in the history of this sport. Imagine how differently fans would view Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro. Mm-hmm. Like, Mark Shapiro, I think, would be viewed as like, wow, this guy got it done. And Ross Atkins, too. You're the GM that signed Shohei Otani. You're doing something right. Yeah. So, like, you know, uh, we don't know how it's all going to land. There's a ton of work to do. Um, even in these next couple of days, like, the Blue Jays have to be – because this is the final stretch, right? So you have to be ready. You have to be glued at your phones. Here's the other thing. What if CAA calls back? They say, okay, it's down to two teams. We want to opt out, but it has to be after three years. What do you do? Like, you need to game those situations out right now if you're a front office. You can't rest. You can't just sit there. Obviously, it's not like you're going to phone up Jamer Candelario and try to sign him today. But, you know, there's still work to be done because you have to be prepared for different situations because maybe there are points that you walk away. Maybe there are points that you have to push back at CAA and establish that this relationship goes two ways. But it's all super interesting and the stakes couldn't be higher. Yeah. Um, I, I talked about this with Ennis on the phone yesterday, just about how like the just just the optics of this signing for people is so legacy-defining. Like, the idea that all of a sudden Shohei is uh, uh, the face of Rogers and the face of commercials from coast to coast is like, you can't, you can't dismiss the, the value of that, right? Just the, hey, here's a half-a-billion-dollar gift to the country of Canada. Like, enjoy. Enjoy the greatest baseball player, uh, this affable guy that basically everybody wants to be around and everybody can't wait to watch for the team that is pretty much across the board in the country, the one that is the, yeah, the most universally loved by all Canadians. Like, it's pretty big. And, yeah, for Atkins and Shapiro, it's, yeah, your work is done here. (laughs) Like, you can, okay, uh, you got Shohei Otani. You didn't win a championship. All right, well, then something bad happened or... You know, it's it's hard to fault too many things. It's almost like you get the championship year grace period, which would suck because you really do feel like it would shift into the null and you got to win a championship in the next two years standpoint. Um, okay, so you hit on the, the next thing, though, which is what do you, are you concerned at all about the, the length this takes really impacting the plans down the line? Because I've genuinely always believed that the Blue Jays hit plan C for their offseason last year, maybe even plan D for their offseason last year, and it resulted in a team that everyone thought was a slog. And I think that part of the anxiety that fans are having watching the Shohei thing is they're going, you're building up false hopes that you're going to be able to land this guy when in reality he's not going to come here And then all of a sudden you're going to go to the market and other things are already going to be settled. And especially given that it is such a limited market, at least from a free agent standpoint this year. 
Yeah, I think, um, first of all, I know you're not saying this, but I don't think the hope is false. It doesn't mean it's going to happen, but there's there's real reason for hope. Like, if yeah, you yeah. can't hope right now, Shohei was just visiting the Blue Jays in Dunedin. Like, if you if you can't hope today, when are you ever going to No, hope? no, no, that's, I, 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 again, I've never, I cannot understand this fan right now. I just, I opened up ranting about it. I went yeah. to, I'm, I'm a big, like, don't tell people how to cheer guy in general. Like, I like it when people boo. I like when people hold organizations to account. Uh, I think that being critical is fine. I think that positivity can actually be toxic and that the constant need for it, like I I saw Jason Kidd, the coach for the Mavericks the other day, he was like telling writers, why don't you write more positive stuff? And I was like, man, you see the reaction to this on the internet and there's a lot of people that'll go, yeah, why aren't you more positive to some of the sports writers? I'm like, this is crazy. This is banana lands. But this one, I I just don't know why you would start going down. I just think it's, it's, we're broken here. Like some people are just genuinely broken sports fans here um, because there's absolutely zero reason why you should be looking at this from any kind of negative standpoint that the world's biggest baseball star is privately meeting with the Blue Jays front office. And like, there's even some people who are like, the J- like they're not going to really offer him that money. It's like, yeah, like see oh, what happens if yeah. that story gets leaked. Is it's that probably already been offered, of right? Of course like, it probably, has. Of yeah. course, dude, that's what I'm saying is like, it's crazy how far people are going right now in their yeah. like pursuit of trying to be negative about this story. Like the, the only thing there is like the outline of just what I, I think I am seeing. And I will say like, if I'm, if I'm pessimistic about it or if I'm nervous about the Shohei stuff, that's my only point of reservation is how much this, how much effort this must be taking for everybody. And like yeah. you mentioned is I don't, why would anybody want to rush to sign Candelario? Right. And then go, Oh wait, you've t- took your eyes off the Shohei prize. Like, I'm all in on Shohei, personally. If I'm the Blue Jays, yeah. this is the only thing that matters. Everything else is secondary. Yeah. But that yeah. does come at a cost when this thing's all said and done, and then they're going, oh, my God, what, what have we been doing here? Like, we just woke up, yeah. he's, he's in L.A., and now we got to scramble and get things done. Uh, so I don't think it's going to cost them. Like, the there would be, like, because Shohei is so singular – he impacts this market in different ways. And I run into agents here all the time, right? And they're, they'll they'll come up to me and say, like, when's this getting done? Like, let's get this done. Let's get this moving. Like, there's frustration from other agents. Imagine how Scott Boris feels in this. I bet Scott Boris hates this. Good. And, and, and other agents... He wouldn't agents give me a free it. hat. <laughs> uh, what's this? I asked him for a Boris Corp hat. I wanted a Boris Corp hat when I had him on. He's like, it's only for clients. I was like, well, then I'll boo. <laughs> well, then sign me up. Then yeah. uh, make me your next client. Yeah, that's uh, it. yeah, that sounds great. Um, I want to hear the JD Bunkus, um, you know, Boris speech. Um, you know, JD is has the has his. Uh, I don't know. He'll come up with something. Yeah, but, see, um, exactly. He's like, yeah, like, <laughs> you couldn't even uh, come up with like two seconds. I was going to make a law joke, but I just, I just, I don't have the Boris chops yeah. for that. But. Um, <laughs> Anyway, I think, um, yeah, so when it comes to this, this pursuit, right, mm-hmm. things are held up by it. Um, there's, there's no doubt about that. And I think even look at Juan Soto, right? If you're the Padres, if you're A.J. Preller, you know what's going on. A.J. Preller knows what's happening with the with this Otani sweepstakes. He knows the Blue Jays are involved. Yeah. He's seen Ken Rosenthal's piece by now. I guarantee it. So if A.J. Preller wants to get the most for Juan Soto, which he must, that's his job, then – is he going to just go to the Yankees and say, yeah, guys, like, we're good. Let's just do this. You know, I'll take 80 cents on the dollar, whatever. Jays are busy. I guess we just won't engage with them. No, he's going to wait. He's going to make sure that the Blue Jays are fully engaged. And then he is going to try to get the absolute most that he can for Juan Soto, mm-hmm. with or without the help of the Blue Jays. But 
certainly not when they're in this kind of moment. So, you know, Juan Soto not getting traded today. It's just not happening because the industry is too fixated on Shohei Otani. And so the Jays will be in a fine position to regroup. It will be an emotional crash. And I think that emotional crash would be real for everyone in the organization if he does not sign with the Toronto Blue Jays, which again, real possibility. Um, and it would take some serious effort, I, I think, mentally and emotionally to kind of regroup there. Yeah. Um, this is this has been you, we saw well maybe I don't I'm not sure if the video was shared but you know like it, it's been a tiring time it's been a tiring time to to be like this intensely traveling cross country um, you know as as you'd expect and so um, the Jays would have to bounce back but yeah it's it's all worth it it's it's not going to cut them off from other possibilities dude yeah see I, I think that's that's the really important thing to remember here is like. Some of these things are definitely not getting done until Shohei is done. And there's got to be the organization working double time to ensure that they have their plan B's and they have their plan C's because this, this is truly, that's why I think the conspiracy theory of this is trying to distract people from the J season is the dumbest thing possible because if they miss on this, like the fan base is now going to be at a point where everyone's distraught. Like that there's there, there there's not going to be a higher level of disinterest after missing on Shohei Otani. Like this is such a big swing that if they were to trade for Juan Soto, people are going to be disappointed. <laughs> like they're going to be looking at this and saying, like, and, and I'm not saying everyone, but there will be a lot of people that look at it and go, yeah, all right. So they gave up all the prospects for a guy that's going to be a rental. Great. Good job. Right. You can already see the writing on the wall with stuff like that. Like they go out and get secondary stars like a, a Christian Yelich in a trade. That's it's like it's now you've basically taken out any potential signing or big trade that you do at the knees in terms of excitement with this move. It's the number one flaw in that. And again, what I think is one of the dumbest conspiracy theories of all time. So, yeah, the, the crash is very, very real. <laughs> the crash yeah. is beyond massive. The stakes are huge, 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 huge here. But I think that's really sharp analysis that, hey, you know, no one's really moving some just because the St. Louis Cardinals traded or signed some pitchers and uh, the Mariners made a, a, a small move is not a real indicator that things are happening before Shohei signs. Okay, so you reported that four teams are inquiring on Manoa. Uh, well, actually, I'm just going to say a generality here. Is there anything else you want to say today on Shohei or on the Blue Jays' pursuit? Is that, like, have we covered all the bases? Oh, man. I mean, uh, there's so much we could say. Uh, nothing's, like, jumping to mind. I just yeah, okay. think, like, this is a unique day, so, yeah. you know, hopefully Jays fans can enjoy it, and I we'll see so where too. it leads. Yeah, yeah. I, I, hope, I hope so. Like, I, again, I don't think that – here's here's my thought for Blue Jays fans who are, like, not willing to get their hopes up. It's like the worst thing that's going to happen is that you still don't have Shohei Otani on your baseball team. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's so true. It's just like that's the worst thing that's going to happen. Uh, so, yeah, you reported four teams inquiring about Manoa. Do you think that – like, what's your gauge on – the interest level versus like, is this people trying to offer something real to the Jays or is this vulturing and trying to figure out if they can grab someone on a, on a cheap price? I think there are definitely teams vulturing. Um, I don't think the Jays are going to engage on that type of offer. Um, if there's a real fair, full value type of trade where the blue Jays get a bat back, maybe a Juan Soto, um, you know, and um, then they give up Alec Manoa. Of course, they'd be open to that. They're not going to say that publicly. They don't want to cut off their leverage and trade talks. Um, But yeah, of course, they would 
they would be willing to trade him as others are on that list too. But, you know, the, the relationship with Manoa clearly has been more frayed um, than, than with others. And, you know, I've seen videos of him um, of, like from the last taken this week, taken the last few days, he's in really good shape. He's working really hard. Um, you know, we'll see, we'll see where that leads. He's obviously poised for some sort of a bounce back season, but there's still some awkwardness from last year. So mm-hmm. I do think that he's going to be a blue Jay, but if teams want to pay full price, the Jays would move him. Yeah. And, and there has been interest and it, it appears that the Padres are one of those interested teams. Yeah. That's, that's the thing is uh, that keeps kind of bothering me about the Manoa situation is like, I think we all should be able to read that he's clearly available and the fact that this guy hasn't come out and said, like, Toronto's where I want to be, and, like, he's on social media every day, right? It's pretty commonplace for teams to basically issue statements of their regard for a player and for the player to state how much he likes the city. And you just look at Manoa right now, and it's like, you haven't heard word one on it. I, I just, I still feel like, unless the Shohei signing happens... Let's put it this way. If the Shohei signing happens, I think that there's a chance that he's still a Blue Jay. I think that if Shohei doesn't happen, Manoa is like 90% gets moved in a trade. Wow. Yeah, I wouldn't put it quite that high. I just think like, I think even if they, like let's say Shohei signs with the Dodgers and let's say, let's also say the Blue Jays miss on Juan Soto because again, like that's a pretty big player to try to get. So you know, you're going down that path. Your your pitching is your strength at that point. You you still mm-hmm. need to be super motivated on bats. Maybe it's Reese Hoskins. I, I really think Reese Hoskins might be a fit in that scenario. Um, then you keep going down the list. You probably add a couple outfielders. Got to figure something out at third base. Um, yeah, you're going to listen on Alec Manoa, but I don't know. I, I just I, I think they would actually keep him in that scenario. I'd almost flip it and say like more like 75% they keep him, 25% they trade him. Because hmm. I, I just... The, the reason why I say this is I just don't see what else the Jays have to offer to teams. Like, I, 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 like I go through it. I've talked, I like, I keep referencing this, but talk to Kyler McDaniel two weeks ago and he goes, yeah, you're bottom five prospect pool. And, and so I'm like, okay, who are they moving? Like, who are they moving that another team is going to say, yeah, we really want that prospect, especially given their real desire to hold on to Ricky Tiedemann. Like, if you're getting involved in the sweepstakes for a legitimate player and you strike out on Shohei and you strike out on Juan Soto, and I actually, like, the Juan Soto thing, I know everyone's saying the Blue Jays are more likely and maybe the price comes down or, or whatever, but, like, you got to, the, the idea that you're going to give up that many assets for one year of a player and then have to either fork over that contract or have him walk for nothing is devastating. Like, and if you're the Blue Jays, right, like you give up everything that you have left and then you lose and you, you watch Juan Soto walk and he just signs with the Yankees, like that's a realistic scenario there. So I just, yeah. I, I guess maybe I'm not as bought in on the, the Soto possibility unless Manoa is a real centerpiece for them. Unless they go, we'll take Manoa and Aurelvis and uh, some of the other like top tier prospects that you have and let you keep Tiedemann so you have some face in all of this. And uh, like... That's it. I just I look at Manoa and say there's got to be some team at some point that wants to view him as a, a really valuable guy, as that bounce-back candidate, and that Toronto just goes, what else are we supposed to do here? Like, we're not getting anything back for Santiago Espinal. No, they're not. And I think this is where, to bring it back, like, man, Shohei Otani doesn't cost any prospects, right? Like, that's, well, yeah. that's 
part of the appeal here. And, you know, for Juan Soto, you think about the amount of, of prospects and, and major league players that you would have to give up for one year. And then with Shohei Otani, we're talking about a longer-term investment. Presumably that it would be at least three years um, before an opt-out. And um, I don't know where the Blue Jays would stand on an opt-out. To me, that's one of the, like, low-key questions kind of lurking here because, you know, the, the opt-outs are, are obviously massive. But um, you give it to them. Like, yeah, and I don't think you can give them an opt-out after two because at that point, then it becomes a whole potential crash with Bo and Vlad and Shohei. You know, that's a big departure out the window. Jordan Romano, Kevin Biggio, it would be a full, full exodus at that point. Um, but I think you have to be willing to give them an opt-out. And, you know, that would be tough to stomach. But, you know, if you're the Jays, like, is it, I don't know, 550 over 11 with an opt-out after three? Like, that's a pretty compelling offer right there. But, you know, ultimately, some of the people I talk to think that the final decision for Otani will be made on gut feel. And, it, and if the teams are close on money, then it will be about what he feels. Well, yeah, I, I, that's, that's the thing is everybody's going to offer him, I think, the money that he wants, essentially, right? Like, it's going to take... It's going to take something crazy to push a team like, you know, the, the groups that are remaining out of it, right? Like if you're in for a penny, you're in for a pound at this point, and it doesn't seem like, yeah, the, right? It's like it's the $500 million range, maybe something a little bit more, but we're, we're out of the conversations of like $800 million that we were having when he was still healthy as a pitcher. Um, you're, you're right. Like to me, this is a where can I win? Where am I going to be comfortable? Where am I going to have the most access to all my baseball nerd stuff? Where can I be a super duper star and make tons of money on, you know, my, my likeness, my brand, all these different things, but also have some, uh, some anonymity, like some level of a semblance of the life that I want to lead in, in my personal time. And yeah, Toronto, I think is going to be able to offer an opportunity to check a lot of those boxes. And so, yeah, I, I'm pretty optimistic about it i hate it i hate how optimistic that i am about this because you're right the crash and the like the first the second he signs in la right like the I, I, the only thing again i can equate it to is when Kawhi signed in la in the middle of the night and i was you know out at a, on a patio and it was like 2 a.m and somebody showed me a phone like Kawhi signed <laughs> and i went no and it ruined the night i was out with like college friends it was this big uh, like get together and the second that was shown is everybody just wanted to go home it was just done yeah. it was dead and so yeah it's gonna feel like that if it happens but the first time i see one of those tweets like i told you so the conspiracy it's like i might break my phone (laughs) i don't you gotta turn off your mentions no i can't i i listen i am a big mute the tweet guy like i mute the tweet all the time but oh i just it's to see one of those and just have the people validated who are like talk like just negative the entire way through oh it's gonna hurt it's gonna hurt i'm rubbing my hands together because i can't even think about it it's giving me the heebie-jeebies anyway uh Benny, keep up the great work. When do you, you fly back tomorrow, I guess? That's the plan. Unless okay. the Jays have a press conference they want to make. But um, yeah. Yeah, I hope uh, you fly to I, them. I, I hope you fly to Florida or they have the, you know, they, they're like, come down here, Ben. We read your piece. We need you to seal the deal. We need you to get Yeah. Here. Oh, man. If I had been, like, I would have gone so, so off the handle with that stuff because, like, I would have, like, I would have got like his favorite music and made that the soundtrack of, of his course. video. Like, yeah, I would like, made him a mixtape. Be like, I love you. Show him that you care. <laughs> yeah. and, and like, just this one tiny little thing. Like, I, I, I was talking for a while about Yusei Kikuchi, how you have to involve him in the pitch, and yeah. I really think they did. I, I no one's no one's confirmed that, but I, I really think that 
Kikuchi was a big part of this pitch. So remember, if the Jays actually do land him, Yusei Kikuchi deserves a lot of credit in this. Yeah, I've said, if they want Yusei Kikuchi up on the level of excellence, like if that's what it takes, you do it. Like I, like you you want to hang his jersey, his, hang Yusei Kikuchi's number next to, you know, the World Series banners because I'm fine with it. I, do what, that's like when you're like, oh, what if he wants an opt-out out of her too? I, I don't care. Will Shohei yeah. Otani play baseball in Toronto next year? You want an opt-out after one, buddy? Like, it's yeah. yours. Like, there's, no, seriously. there's nothing seriously. off the table for me in the Shohei Otani sweepstakes. Like, they, he should yeah. have everybody completely over the barrel, and it should be, yes, okay, I want the Otani Dome. I want the jet to fly to Japan whenever the hell I want. I want basically yeah. dictator rules where if anybody looks me in the eyes, you know, a security guard just sweeps them away, and you don't see from that person again. Like, uh, opt-out clauses, whatever the hell this guy wants, the, the most money in the world, you know, his own separate clubhouse from the team. I don't care yeah. there's nothing that w- i would say no to i i don't have a breaking point in a show negotiation if i'm these guys but again uh it's not my money and uh yeah uh, just please show <laughs> please come and, and yeah because from again from like a character standpoint yeah. right you think about this guy is obsessed with baseball he That's is it. so obsessed he is in incredible shape he is mm-hmm. also regarded as like a great person behind the scenes you talk yep. to former teammates, you talk to people around him. This is like the kind of guy that you would definitely, definitely believe is going to keep himself in incredible shape, mm-hmm. very motivated, all those things. So, you know, you, we can all think of free agents. And this is obviously isn't the time, but we can all think of free agents that maybe haven't performed the way, mm-hmm. the way you would have thought. But, man, Shohei Otani, like there's got to be a huge degree of confidence in that character. Yeah, I think, yeah, again, one of the other worst ones is you're really going to give that much money to a DH, and I'm like, all right, that's all I need to know about this person's uh, baseball opinion. Uh, Anyway, uh, Benny, we got to go. Thanks so much for the time, brother. I hope that I'm having you on very, very soon uh, to discuss, like, what's next (laughs) to the J side of Tony. Yeah, Yeah. that'd be fun. That'd be a lot of fun. As a baseball player, Baseball writer, baseball fan, like, yeah, this is uh, pretty fun stuff. Yeah, all right. Talk to you later, buddy. Yep. Yep. I love that guy. That's, do you want, this serious quick thing. That's why you follow your passions. Oh, yeah. It's because this dude, Ben, loves baseball, man. He grew up loving baseball, and he chased this passion, and now when he talks about the baseball team, like, he sounds like a guy who just wants to. Loves it. Yeah. Absolutely loves it. Thrilled to be in the thick of it. And that's I I really enjoy when he comes on the show for that reason. It's just it's this is not like that's it. That's you're not doing a job. You're 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 tapping into something different. So hell yeah. Sign Otani for Ben Nicholson Smith. Yeah, for Ben. <laughs> Dude. Do it for Ben. One of the most loved guys at yeah. Sports. Again, high one of the highest approval ratings at the company. Uh, you know, we talked about Scott Hansen being America's sweetheart. Ben yeah. Nicholson Smith might be Canada's sweetheart. <laughs> when I see people like tweet nasty stuff at Ben, I know wh- how my mom feels when people tweet nasty things at me. <laughs> Ready to like, fight for Yeah, I'm like, I want to jump in here. You guys, how dare you? Yeah, I'm report. <laughs> <laughs> Harassment Elon, report. can we shadow yeah. ban this man, please? Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, the NBA in season tournament was yesterday, and it was a smash hit. <laughs> All right, so NBA in-season tournament night one. <laughs> I got under. Damn it! I didn't realize how long we went with Benny. I'm gonna have to get more into this in a little bit because I gotta. I gotta obey the radio clocks here. 
but let me just start with this, okay? This is my tease for talking about this and what we missed because we'll have to plenty of time in the, the next hour to kind of go through everything else that we didn't hit on from yesterday is I can't believe how jealous I was of Pacers fans and how much I actually wanted the Raptors to be there. And, and the Pacers are actually like a huge loser franchise, right? Like their real only moment is Reggie Miller yeah, in the beating garden. the Knicks. <laughs> Outside of that, they went to... You know, finals and they got smoked and that's it. That's and the they whole lost thing. to the they Heat a bunch of times. Yeah. They pushed the Heat with Roy Hibbert's yeah. verticality. Yeah, yeah, exa- yeah, you're right. Roy Hibbert stood tall at the rim against LeBron. <laughs> that's one of their championships. Uh, that was awesome. And oh. it, it just, it reminded me that the Raptors, like, we're a little spoiled. They got, they got a championship now mm-hmm. that we have the Larry O'Brien on the jerseys here. Yeah. There's a little bit of a spoiledness from the Raptors fans where, and, and, we're also so used to Drake night that the courts are not even like that. We're like, this is just a normal night, right? This is just normal pay tribute to Drake night. Yeah. This is something different. Not aware. Just this standard. Oh, Drake, whatever we have to do to satisfy you, we'll do it. All right. We'll do it. Drake. Uh, it was so fun. Yeah, it was. It was the electric. first game was very, very, very fun. Wow. I do have uh, a, a thing or two to nitpick, but yeah, I was jealous. I was jealous as hell. Uh, those Pacers fans were having fun. The Pacers players, the bench were going nuts. I saw that there's like, I think eight guys on their team. Making, yeah, that were making the, whatever it was, the minimum or whatever. Minimum yeah. or like less than a mil. So or, this is huge. I, I was thinking, that, the bench reacts on that. Neesmith dunk was yeah. the best. People were and you get it. 100K just for going to the semifinals. Yeah, no, that's what I mean, is you get the 100K for the semifinals. Well, these guys were losing it, but yeah, I saw, yeah. Ten players on their team who make less than $3 million in salary this season. Uh, so yeah, 500K on the line and getting that 100K is pretty nice. Those boys, those boys had a time yesterday it's in incredible. Indiana. It you know, was really fun. You know who woke up feeling great today? Adam Silver. Yeah, he did. That he was woke up it. Yeah. The only thing is it did feel a little diluted by the second game. For sure. Like the second game, I was already like. But right. I still think he's probably thinking, <laughs> yeah. all right, we got yeah. something here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 that's going to be the test of tonight is did we see something special that is going to continue? Like we know we're going to get players who try. Like that's very clear. These guys want that, that money. The money yeah. as a motivator is working for these guys. The load management era in basketball has been dealt with actually extremely well so mm-hmm. far. But yeah, what are we going to see tonight? from Knicks Bucks. Like, are we going to see this translate? Are we going to see those fan bases feel the same way? Like, you know, Milwaukee won a championship. The Knicks are looking for a real championship. Yeah. Is the, are the stakes going to... Was this more of just a perfect market, perfect team? Like, they had a breakout player in Tyrese Halliburton where the whole world's kind of looking at this going, okay, we heard about you, but we didn't know it was like you like can this. go toe-to-toe with Jason Tatum yeah, yeah. in, a, in a shootout. When you're sick, we didn't, we didn't, the Shaq meme, I'm not familiar with your game. There's a <laughs> lot of people with Tyrese Halliburton yesterday. Pacers are fun, run and gun team. The crowd was awesome. Buzzing, yeah. Right? Like, they got one of the weirdest, ugliest courts in the whole playing game stuff, but their crowd, just a basketball smart crowd mm-hmm. who was really into the moment against a perfect opponent in the Celtics where they're really good and also people are familiar with the players. Like, it just, it felt like kind of a perfect storm for the start of this thing, but still massive, massive, massive win. And now at least it has people invested in looking at all these other games and hoping that it can build off a momentum off that. So anyway, we'll, we'll discuss more of it later. Cause I do have more thoughts on it, but a uh, quick break. And then we'll get to Frank Cervelli about what he heard on the Leafs pursuit of 
the Calgary Blue Liners, the NHL being hopeful for the Olympics in 2026 because they've got a new executive director of the NHLPA and an update on the salary cap. That's all next with Frank. All right. Got a lot of ground to cover with our next guest. It's very strange to have a day where we find out that the NHL salary cap is going to be likely going up and we're coming off of some pretty big Leafs trade rumors. And it's like, could we barely, could, we could barely even make time for this. Could barely even fit this in with all the show. Hey, hype. Uh, Frank Valley, hockey insider and president of Daily Faceoff. What's up, brother? How we doing? I mean, it is Shohei, so Dead I understand. Is, yeah, exactly. It's so. But I, well, the only thing I don't understand is the big question is, can he still pitch? Yeah. And no one's answered that yet. I, I think that the the implication is he's gonna he has to take a year off from pitching, but that he wants to pitch a year from now, which would actually line up perfectly. Like the Jays are built exactly for this. They don't need a starting pitcher next year. Like, of course, could they use Shohei Otani and his nasty arm, his Cy Young caliber arm? Yeah, of course they could, but they don't need him. They've got a But what if he doesn't pitch again? Who cares? He's Shohei Otani. He's, that's, the, that's the beauty of this guy. But he's is a, he really worth 600 million bucks if 100%, he doesn't pitch again? 100%, dude. He's an international superstar that's going to be a draw. They, they just, you know how sports work. They've just renovated. They just sunk, uh, I think it's $40 million into the spring training complex. And then they sunk, I think, $400 million into the Roger Center renovations. Like, they want mm-hmm. to see people in the building. And Shohei will do that. Also, this brand becomes like a universally popular brand here. The Blue Jays, like, basically fix their offseason, their past season, like, Everybody's legacy changes from the owner to the front office to the players in the clubhouse. Like he's worth every penny, and uh, I'll hear nothing. Uh, I'll hear nothing about, from you unless about. he's no. Unless you get him and he's no good. Yeah, no, see, this is this is you and your Philly scum. I'm just, like, I'm just, just saying. Yeah, I'm this just is saying. your Philly broken fan deep down. You're like, hey, Look, I know the bad things to say. Throw a battery at him. That's what you should. The do. Phillies got Bryce Harper, and yeah. it's changed everything. That's so what I'm saying. I get it. See, you should be and. Uh, that's all we want here. That's all we want. Anyway, well, we also had Trey Turner and saw how that felt to start last season. Yes, to start. Exactly. You guys all buried him. Then he's he's a playoff hero. And all of you had to be like, oh, we're sorry, Trey. We're, we're sorry. We're such scum here. We're so bad to oh, our athletes. JD, yeah, come no, on. Just, we're so sorry, Trey. God, he's amazing. He's a man on fire during the entire postseason. Okay. Uh, I want to get into your sit down with Marty Walsh and... Uh, there's a bunch of stuff that this guy, you know, if you, if you don't know, because yeah, you're probably, uh, listening to this and you don't know that the NHL is a new executive director of the NHLPA. Um, and they like him. The players really like this dude and he's got a few things to say, but, uh, it's the board of governor meetings time. Uh, I'm in Seattle. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm starting with this cause I, I don't want to lose this in terms of time. So did you hear the same thing in terms of Toronto's pursuit of the Calgary defensemen on the salary retention? And if so, what do you think it would have taken to get that deal done from a price point? Like, what do you think the Leafs were offering in that trade? Because I haven't seen that anywhere. Yeah, I haven't really nailed down that part of it, what the return might have been. And I think, honestly, the more interesting part is that, and I've been saying this when you just do the math, when you have John Klingberg's $4.15 million, the goal for the Leafs should be to fill two spots with that. And that's the exciting part, right, is you've got this do-over for a guy that was clearly not a fit and wasn't playing up to snuff. It's so rare to get out of jail free on 
a signing of that magnitude, meaning that chunk of salary cap space. Mm -hmm. The Leafs got one, and now it's about really trying to to overhaul and change out what looks to be a defense core that really is lacking. And so that part of it, the return, haven't nailed down. But I don't, I don't think when you look at the Zadarov price and then you factor in Tanev, who at this age is what he is, I don't think it's crazy overwhelming, mm. but there certainly is a higher price when you're asking the team to retain on both guys. Yeah, because uh, the way I'm looking at it is in, in 2025, Toronto doesn't have their first, their second, or their fourth. And this year, they're without their second and a third. I think that they they have a third from New York, though, in the Yangval trade. So they still do have a third. It's just not their own. So it's just like Correct. When, when I think about this, I'm like, all right, you got to figure if you're getting Tanev, Zadorov, and retention that you're at least giving up your pick in this year's draft, which means that you would have gone two years without a first-round pick. I think the question is, was it, it, was it going to have to be more than that? And by the sounds of things of the way that you're interpreting it, maybe not like this, this, this kind of a trade offer for a Tanev, if the Leafs go down that, that path in the future, this isn't, which I still think they might. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm trying to kind of flesh this out is if they go down this path in the future, this isn't a trade where they're going to be given up more than uh, yeah, a a first round pick. Correct. Okay. So then, then, yeah, yeah. I think at, you know, I'm not even entirely certain that Tanev would net a first round pick for Calgary. Yeah, the the problem for Toronto is they don't have any seconds, so <laughs> I could right. see it, you, know, it's, you gotta you gotta find some of those somewhere. Um, okay, so this is the second part of this thing, though. Is doesn't Calgary though have more leverage with him? Like you're right, he's Tanev and he's a good player and he slots into the top four. He's better than what Toronto would have. And uh, I've always been a fan of the guy. He was injury prone for a really long time. I think that that's been sorted a little bit for the guy. But yeah, he's a pending unrestricted free agent. He's 34 years old. You wouldn't think that that would be too 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 much. But now all of a sudden Calgary is kind of in it. And I'm looking every night when I'm watching the NHL, I, I keep coming back to the same thought is there's really no horrific teams. Like even the Sharks have been better as of late. I don't think like, are the Oilers going to end up being sellers or the Ducks after giving, you know, Kalorn money? Are, are they going to start looking at pieces to, to give off? Like are the Blackhawks going to be sellers in the same way as some organizations would in their position, given that they're going to want to capitalize on the Bedard contract? Like how many teams do we expect this year are actually going to be in the market for a team like Toronto, who's clearly trying to add a right-handed defenseman, I, I feel like, yeah, uh, Tanev could end up actually being the best of the bunch if he's available. Well, he, he really may be. And, and I think what you just hit on is the big complaint from general managers that I've spoken to so far this season. We want to make a move, but there's so few other teams out there that are actually in that posture and, frankly, may be at, the, at any point in the season. Yeah. Most of the teams that you hit on, Chicago, Anaheim, et cetera, San Jose, they don't, they don't even have that much to sell. Totally. The Sharks only have one retention spot left. So if you're thinking that Couture and Hurdle or one of their defensemen might be on the move, well, they can only retain on one guy and good luck on the rest of them. Mm-hmm. So that takes the Sharks largely out, out of the mix. The Ducks, maybe Adam Henrique. Chicago, if Nick Felino wants to go somewhere, obviously not Toronto. We've been down that path. Mm-hmm. But really what you might be looking at is teams that are in the mushy middle, specifically in the West, that really are not – they love being competitive. They love being in the mix, mm-hmm. but know that they're not a threat. 
and they're not gunning to make the playoffs. It's not their end-all, be-all this year. Who am I talking about? St. Louis, Seattle, Nashville. I think Arizona, in a perfect world, would love to get in and squeak in. Mm -hmm. And really, for the Coyotes, the biggest thing is they're going to have to try and fend off the Minnesota Wild and the Edmonton Oilers. That's their mission and mandate. Forget about those other teams, because I do think at some point that they're going to sell. But that's really the job for Arizona, which has won five straight against some really good teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they pounded somebody last night. So it was Washington, who, by they the way. They beat the last five cup champs in a row, I think. Yeah, they, they, they scored five goals in the first period. I went, oh, okay, Arizona. And it was the perfect night because Ovechkin didn't score again. And I'm very much on the record of not rooting for him to break the goal record. And by the way, Ovechkin, just for those tracking at home, like me, who checks it every single night, he plays uh, three goals on a goalie this year in, I think, 22 games. So just uh, something. Why, why, do you, why do you not like him? I mean, why would I, why would I root for a Russian player to break a Canadian player's record? Like what I, you know, I, this is the one thing we have. We have Gretzky. I don't want Ovechkin to break the record. But he owns 58 other records. What does he need that one for? I want him to have them all. I don't want, I'm greedy. I don't want Ovechkin. I'm not rooting for him to have this. Like, no. And I so very xenophobic. No, 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 it's not. I just am not. I am pro Canadian over pro Russian. I'm pro Chase. I'm pro. Yeah. um, So am I. Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire. I enjoy the whole it too. Lead up to it. I enjoy it too. That's why I enjoy checking Alexander Ovechkin's hockey DB page every day and seeing that he's just chasing empty netters frantically because that's the only way that the guy can score now. Uh, okay, so the cap, it's going up 83.5 to 87.7. That's a, about a $4 million jump. I saw a lot of people, though, saying that it was going to be a $5 million jump. Do you think that this comes as a surprise? The players, the PA, like how, how is this being interpreted no. so far from people in your circles? Yeah, I don't, there's no surprise at all because this is actually a formula. And so basically what the NHL said yesterday, mm-hmm. while they told the Board of Governors that it's to focus on an $87.7 million cap for next year, all that means is they're on track to do exactly in the CBA what they agreed to do with the NHLPA, which is once the debt is paid off, the $1 billion debt from players to owners, mm-hmm. that the cap increases 5%. The cap is 83.5 right now, plus 5% brings you to 87.675, which is also known as 87.7, and that's where we're at. The key for me is before the cap finally gets relinked to revenue, which, by the way, if it was based specifically just on revenue right now this year, you're probably looking at a cap around $93 million, and it's, it's purposely um, you know, suppressed because of the debt. Mm-hmm. that it will eventually get back to and be relinked to revenue. The smart thing would be to smooth out a crazy jump and have a gradual increase to get to where it's going to get to so that one day you're just not handing NHL general managers $13 million to spend in an offseason. As fun as that would be, mm-hmm. if you're an owner, that's absolute lunacy and and just headaches galore. Yeah, But that- smooth it out so that you can – make this a gradual increase, which is what the NHL and NHLPA would have to negotiate this summer. You, you teased my interview with Marty Walsh on yeah. Frankly Speaking. He, he said, we'd like to negotiate for more. Yeah. But the problem is that means the NHL is also asking for something. Yeah. Um, if I'm... Nothing, ain't, ain't no free lunch here. All, all I know is that the players are pretty 
tired. And also fans, but players for sure, the ones that actually get the financials that are pretty tired of the flat cap stuff. Like it's uh You know it, who else is tired of the flat cap stuff? The yeah. Leafs. Yeah, no kidding. And that's why I mean no team has been damaged more by the pandemic than the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. And it's not even close. That's yeah, it's a it's a fair take. It's a fair complaint that's it's not some, even a take, it's it's fact. Yeah, it's just I look I at believe. how they had spread out their cap hits and and the plan is always I mean, who foresees in 2018, 19, mm-hmm. a, a global pandemic? Totally. When Feeling. you're thinking the cap is increasing somewhere between five and seven percent every single year, for sure, we'd be in the we'd be in the hundreds by now. For sure. They, my only thing is, is you know, you still you still negotiated some pretty rough contracts with some RFAs, and yet, like, there's a reason why you were in that position and some other teams weren't. Um, okay. But think about what the what how what position they would be in had things just went normally. Yeah, I mean, no issue at all. We it wouldn't look that rough. Yeah, uh, if if and buts. We're candy and nuts. We'd all have a Merry Christmas. So I just like, I, I, the, the hypothetical Leafs game, I think we've done that so many times in this market that I'm like, yeah, right. Yeah. Just how about you win more than one series and then we'll give you a little bit more credit for this stuff. Um, okay. So yeah, you did have Marty Walsh on, uh, the new director of the NHLPA. You had a sit down with them. Um, I like that. Like the conversation was good. Listen to it. Um, the thing that I thought was little, you know, and you tweeted it, but I didn't see like as much buzz off of it was the potential for expansion with this league and, you know, what the the fight could end up being between the players and ownership in terms of them not getting a cut of the expansion fee. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But to me, it's like, how realistic do you think that the league is going to be with this in the next couple of years? Because to me, like with all this parody and like the amount of stars that are, it's, it already feels watered down. Like there's got to be some concern with the NHL and even with their ownerships, of hey, do we really want? Do we really need more hockey teams? Is this league really better if we're adding two more teams? I don't. I don't even think it's been a topic of conversation. Oof. I, I personally think the idea has been. Wait, you mean someone is going to cut each of our teams a check for eighty million dollars if we add two teams? Mm. Where do we sign up? That scares me. That that. Uh, well, that but that's just I, the I, nature I, of business today. It's. Wait, our franchise values have increased 31% year over year. We're making record revenue. Salaries have been suppressed due to the pandemic in a way that they've never been before. Mm -hmm. Absolutely controlling our costs. Fans seem to come out anyway in droves to see what I would agree with you is is most certainly a watered down product. Then you add in 50 more jobs for a union. Mm. Honestly, it becomes a game of who says no. Yeah, I just, to me, where you have these leagues that are really forward-thinking right now, like the NBA with its in-season tournament, Major League Baseball with the pitch clock. And well, some it's methodical, right? Yeah, it just, it's it's like you're, you're... It feels like there's a plan. Yeah, that's it. It's like you're looking forward at, hey, how are we going to compete in this new media climate? Because, yeah, there's more people want to go to concerts, more people do want to go out, and so people want to go to games. That's very clear, especially post-pandemic. Live events and experiences, this is very much a thing. So hockey is still going to be able to capitalize on that from a gate perspective. But I just keep thinking, like, you know, I, I follow the league closely. I watch every single Leafs game. You know, I cover it after every single game. Um, I watch the league basically every single night. And there are still so many times where I'm watching a game and I'm like, I don't know who this player is. Like, I've never heard of this guy. I have no idea who this is. And maybe it's just a little bit of getting older. I don't know. Maybe it's just like the amount of just 
Uh, maybe it is the flat cap and, and the forced players that have been kind of at the bottom of a lot of different rosters, but I, I, I don't feel like the NHL is going in a great direction from a competitive standpoint or from a product standpoint in terms of it improving. Like it's great when they hit on guys like Bedard, but yeah, you want to feel like there's a bit more of a plan than just like, Hey, let's get as much money as possible and then extend, you know, uh, let's, let's try to make sure that we have more jobs in here at the price of the consumer and at the price of the product. Like that, that's a little bit how this feels to me. Um, well, but, so I think part of it is they're resistant to that kind of forward thinking that you're talking about. Yeah. Like I've asked in the last couple meetings, what, like, are, have you seen the NBA's in season tournament? What do you mm-hmm. think? And part of it is I think they don't like it because someone else did it first and they don't want to copy. And it. it's basketball. But but then I said, well, look how much it's spiced up their regular season. And the response mm-hmm. I get is we don't need spicing. And mm-hmm. I'm like, sure. OK, our, yeah. but I mean, it's to me, it's a monotonous long season. And the Leafs have at least had a, you know, a trip to Sweden to kind of break yeah. things up a little bit. It felt oh. a little different for a couple of weeks. But here's the thing. For a league that really struggles to generate new revenue, adding two more teams is a ready-made recipe to do so. You're adding two more teams which are contributing to the pot. You're adding two new markets, two new sets of eyeballs, which your TV partners or future TV partners really like. It's... It's an easy solution when you feel like you've run out of options to grow the game elsewhere and find new revenue. That's the hardest thing for the league is to unearth new revenue. And that's why this is the easy out. Yeah, that that to me is kind of pathetic, though, where it's like, hey, we are having trouble figuring out new ideas and like, just do the same thing. Just get the check, water down the product, make it even worse. And it's like, okay, well, this is going to be a problem at some point. Like you are going to have to grow the game. And, And that brings me to the last one. Um, cause I know you got to fly here. Uh, so quickly, uh, Marty Walsh did bring up, uh, that they're hopeful for Olympics in 2026. And you've talked about this, like, Hey, then you got to give something up. And these are guys that are fighting for the maximum amount of salary cap space. Do you like, what's your feel on? Yeah. The potential for that, that soon in 2026 through the return to the Olympics or the players. Yeah. Actual monetary, uh, will to get that thing done. Oh, it's happening. Like, I don't have any doubt, zero doubt that the players are going to the 2026 Olympics. There we go. And they don't have to give anything up because they already negotiated that in the last CBA that the league will make a good faith effort to go. And in fact, had there not been a pandemic, then they would have gone in Beijing. I'm pretty sure of that. So, look, um, they're really close to an agreement, JD, on getting that done. I think the more important thing is having a complete international hockey calendar that you can point to and say, all right, 2025, we're starting with a four-team tournament that's not a World Cup. Then we're going 2026 Olympics, 2028 true World Cup of hockey, and then 2030 Olympics again. Set the calendar out for a period of 10 years so that this doesn't become a negotiating tactic or ploy. It's not even part of it. It's just hey, we know this is what we're doing. We've agreed to it. We believe this is the best way to continue to grow the game. And we're going to go from there. Uh, yeah, it'd be great to have international hockey back at the very least. We need it. Yeah. Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews have never played for their countries in a best-on-best best tournament. I like that's the way it's that you put disgusting. it. disgusting. Because you don't want to say what you really believe, that, which is that America's better than us now. Oh, I, I don't have any problem saying that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Frank, thanks for the time today, buddy. Have a good one, JD. Cheers, pal. Uh, Frank Zarevelli, Hockey Insider and President of Daily Faceoff. Uh, 
yeah. And it's just like, these guys have, they, they haven't tried any ideas and they're all out. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, oh, we didn't try anything. And the brainstorming yeah. meeting is yeah. just dudes twiddling their thumbs sitting there. I just like, what about more expansion? What about more teams? Like, I don't yes. know. <laughs> We've already got a team playing at a 5,000 person arena, but yes, let's do it. We've already got multiple Florida teams, but hell yes, let's do it. Although actually, I will say from my understanding, the Panthers carryover has been kind of legit, at least with the like maintaining of, of the fans that they brought in last year during the cup run, whatever it was. I know I had Stu Gotts on. He was like, yeah, we don't care. <laughs> so it's not like a, it's, it's not a, a massive thing, but at least that they've, they've got their pocket of fans kind of a little bit more hammered out. I've just seen their building look really full on a lot of different nights. Um, okay. Uh, the 2024 Rogers NHL All-Star Game will be expanded to a three-day event with NHL All-Star Thursday at Scotiabank Arena featuring the Tim Hortons NHL All-Star Player Draft, the NHL Alumni Man of the Year, uh, which is honoring the 1967 Maple Leafs, and the Canadian Tire PWHL 3-on-3 Showcase will be there as well. Uh, tickets to NHL All-Star go on sale Tuesday, December 5th, which is today. Now, it's actually, they're, they're already underway. 10 a.m., you could have started, so you're late. <laughs> so you better hustle. But you can go to Ticketmaster, and you can catch all the action, including the Rogers NHL game on Sportsnet. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break and hit what we missed. So, now there's Ross Atkins clips fly, flying around. It looks like he's on with SiriusXM radio, so it's like he has already flown to Nashville. Like, that's where he is, right? He's on with Jim Bowden. Do you know? Producers? Guys? Who told me to play this clip? Yeah. Okay, good. Good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Not sure where he is. Yeah. (laughs) Not sure where this is from. Yeah, he's on uh, Sirius XM Radio. Uh, And looks... Okay, here's, here's what I'll say about this clip. There. He says, everybody has me in four different places. It's so funny. He's laughing. He's having a... Ross Atkins looks happy. Yeah. All I'm going to say is he looks happy. <laughs> so they asked him about what, it, do, we, do we know the question specifically? It's something along the lines of, hey, what would your pitch be to Shohei Otani, right? Like that's what, because I heard the clip already and Ross being a happy guy. And then he gave an answer that sounds pretty much like a guy who was fresh off of giving a pitch to Shohei Otani. Let's play it. This market, separating out your question that is uh, directed at Shohei Otani, if you just talk about the city of Toronto, that it represents a nation, that we now have the best resources as it relates to getting players better, our facility in Dunedin in 2024, our player-focused facilities that will be in Rogers Centre will be, in our opinion, one of one. The ability to acquire players at every level, to maximize spending in amateur and international, to be able to trade for players, to be able to go after high-caliber free agents like George Springer, Yunchen Ryu, and Kevin Gossman, and Chris Bassett. That's an exciting and easy thing to sell. So it's not something we're looking to overcome. It's something that we're celebrating, and that is fun to do. Okay, the only reason why I think this is uh, a really good clip uh, is, or the, the main reason why I think this is a really good clip. I'm with fans right now when it comes to the frustration about this baseball team. Like, I am a fan. That's what I am. Like, that's why I'm here. I go to the baseball games. I pay my money to sit there, and I go often. 
I pay the $13 or whatever it is now. I think it's more for, you know, a, a Bud Light. Last season sucked. It 100% sucked. And it felt like the team was worse than they are. And it felt like these guys are positioned in a worse place than they are. Because, and, and this is the thing, Shohei is such a fixer of so many different elements, right? It's like the optics, the PR, the baseball team, like the future, potentially the pitching staff, the middle of their lineup, the certainty of stars moving forward that you can sell for this franchise or a piece to build around. Like you don't have Shohei and it's, it's really, it's, it's going to be a, a, an impossibly, impossibly difficult off season for this front office. But when you're pitching Shohei Otani on this, like he didn't watch every Blue Jays game last year, okay? He's not you and I who sat through those horrible games, who watched the offense put up one run or whatever in four games against the Rangers when they desperately needed one, who watched them pull Barrios in the postseason. Like what they're outlining here is they've got a ton of money. They're going to spend it. And they're going to spend it in all the, the areas that they possibly can, whether it's top free agents or whether it's, the international free agents. Like they're, they're not going to all of a sudden get Shohei Otani and then say, don't nope. Well, we got you. So now we're going on the cheap. Like the implication there is very clear that signing you does not preclude us from making other signings down the line. Two is the Dunedin meeting from reading Ben Nicholson Smith. And then now hearing that clip, it's, it's just very clear that a big part of this sell and you got to use the things that make you different, right? Because the Dodgers are using money and they're using their, their thing, which is the West Coast and the fact that they've won more games, blah, blah, blah. For the Blue Jays, one of the selling points is clearly, man, we've got world-class facilities and in Dunedin, they're all ours. You're going to have complete anonymity. There's not going to be two baseball teams here, okay? Here's all the stuff that we have at your disposal. We know you're a huge baseball nerd. We know you want to win. Here's where our commitment to winning has been from a financial standpoint. And here's how serious we've been about like the approach to actual individual players. And that part of it sneakily has a, a bigger feel to me than I would have ever guessed a, you know, spring training facility would ever have. Yeah. But for a guy like Shohei Otani, who is being, you got to think every single thing is on the table for this guy from all these different markets that those little finer points and getting a guy on what we talked about earlier on the gut feel, this is one of the things that might tip the scales. It's everything at your disposal. So, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm way too optimistic about this. <laughs> it's crazy how big the Dunedin thing has become. Because, like, yeah. I remember years ago when Shapiro was talking about, like, how much they were sinking money into that facility. Like, as a fan, yeah. I'm like, ah, I really don't care about this. Yeah, you know who cares? I mean, like, yeah. who cares? Okay, cool. The, we have it's this for the rich people that go down to Florida and get to yeah. enjoy it, that do the trip. Or for the people that live there and go, like, nice, this is the time of year yeah. where the snowbirds get to see the Blue Jays. Like, wow, the spring training field's really nice, but it turns out, like, yeah, this is imagine. actually a thing. That's it's actually, <laughs> That's actually the place that they should call the Otani Center or whatever. Yeah. It's like, yeah, if they sign him, then you'd be like, hey, we're putting a, like, put a statue or at least a plaque. Like, this is where we had the Otani <laughs> it's meeting. It's amazing. To be, like, a, a real historical monument. All right. Uh, let's get to some other audio. Because let's hit some other things for what we missed. Um, I, we got to do Fred Van Vliet. He was on the watch pod yeah. yesterday. And I think, okay, this is my just initial take on some of this audio. I, I don't think that there's anything that's overly revelatory here. Mm. Do you guys? 
Like no. when you heard any of this stuff, like, did you feel like, oh, wow, this is like really groundbreaking stuff. And I actually feel like one of the quotes in particular is almost taken a little bit of, it's like a Rorschach test where you're seeing what you want to see. Let's, let's play. This is, this is him talking about his final meeting with the Toronto Raptors with Adrian Wojnarowski on the watch pod. I remember meeting with, with Houston and just kind of hearing their vision and hearing how they see things and being excited about a new possibility. And then I also remember, you know, meeting with Toronto and kind of leaving that meeting and feeling refreshed because I was so uncertain about, you know, making a change. I, I felt it, but kind of that meeting kind of sealed it for me. It was like, you know, that's kind of the right thing for me to do because I, you can't hide energy and, you know, just being in that room, everybody that was in that room can attest that, you know, it just felt like it was, you know, everybody understood what was about to happen. Okay. So the, you can't hide energy to me has been spun off by some as like, you couldn't hide the negative energy around the Raptors. Yeah. And, and that's not, I don't think that was, yeah. I think what he's saying there is you can't hide the energy of them knowing that they couldn't match the price point of what Houston was going to be able to offer them. Right. Whether it was like, Hey, the opportunity you were going to have to go run that team, the no taxation and the contract that he ended up getting, which was just going to break Toronto. A lot of money. Yeah, especially given that the Raptors have Fred, or sorry, that they have uh, a Scotty extension coming up, yeah. OG extension coming up, that they were going to have to pay Jakob Pertl that offseason who they <laughs> traded a first-round pick for. They are going to have to hand him $20 million. You know, that these guys have Siakam that is coming up, Gary Trent Jr. coming up. Like, uh, to me, my interpretation is, and again, this is art now, right? This, we're just doing art. It's like, well, how does it feel to you? <laughs> my interpretation is that... Fred Van Vliet is saying that you can't hide the energy of these guys going, we've, we've done our best here, but we know what is going to happen now, that you are going to be a Houston Rocket, that the offer that they're giving you is just something that like, we plainly cannot match. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I didn't read it in, in the way. I didn't even really see much about yeah, okay. the, the... I just think when you first saw the, the quote the of quote, you well, can't so hide energy... that's the thing with all of this stuff, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, it's yeah. the quote. Like, even the quote that I saw going around of... of Fred yep. said something about like it's uh you know the Raptors said it's starting to go around Scotty or whatever yeah. like you see that and you're like oh so he didn't like that Scotty was get- getting it but I'm not sure that that's really well like, I think like, it, it is. is to a degree but I just like I don't think he was saying like oh yeah I was out as soon as Scotty Barnes was getting touches or whatever Dude, you know what I mean Fred Van Vliet's entire imaging is around or his brand is bet on yourself mm-hmm. and making sure that this is a business like that you are getting paid your worth and that you are not just getting caught up in sentimentality. Really, truly, if you are bet on yourself, getting the best possible contract was always a huge thing. Do I think that sure. winning meant nothing? Like, do I think that maybe he would have taken this from the Charlotte Hornets? Maybe not, you know? Maybe, that, like, Houston actually was trying to make an effort to win. They brought in Dylan Brooks. They had a bunch of good young pieces. They brought in the toughest coach. Yeah, the toughest coach <laughs> in the NBA. You know, the LeBron stopper. Uh, it's just, there were, there were a lot of other reasons why Houston made sense. And to me, that's actually the more compelling stuff from this interview is he's talking about, you know, uh, hey, hey, Masai was straight up, mm-hmm. but that if he was going to be a Toronto Raptor, he didn't feel like he was going to be able to be himself. And, and we heard that last year when he talked to JJ Redick on his yes, podcast yeah. where he was like, I don't really want to play off the ball. I don't feel as effective or as in, I'm having as much enjoyment when I'm playing off the ball. I want to be the head of the snake and the guy that runs the team, the traditional point guard. And it's pretty clear that in Toronto, when he's insinuating to the Scotty thing, which is what he did in the first place, yeah. is that he didn't love that the direction of the organization was pivoting to a younger guy. Mm-hmm. His thought probably was... I like this team if it's me, OG, and Siakam at the very top, and we're the core. Like, have you heard Norm Powell talk about the team where he 
referenced how he feels like the Raptors could have kept that core together and that they were finally starting to mesh something. I, I really no, I missed that. Man, these these are professional athletes. Like obviously these dudes have a ton of self-belief. And they looked at what they were building after Lowry and after the championship, that core of of younger guys at the time, right? Fred, Siakam, OG, mm-hmm. and Norm Powell. They absolutely believed within the four of them that they could have a winner built around them, that they were just some pieces away. And I don't think the way they view it the way that we did, which is like, you need to bring in a super duper star mm. to them. I, again, my interpretation is that they would have felt like, Hey, good, great. We got a Scotty Barnes, make him fit in around us. Don't make this about Scotty Barnes. And the Raptors, that's the problem with the doing the, hey, we're trying to ride the two lines thing that they're doing where everyone's like, is this season about developing Scotty Barnes or is it about going over 500 and losing in a play-in game? What, what, what exactly is the point here? What, what are we doing? Because if it's built around Scotty Barnes, there's probably the moves you should have already made. And if it's the other way, then why did you do it this way where nobody has any contracts? Or Siakam doesn't have an extension or, Bar- or OG doesn't have an extension or Gary Trent doesn't have an extension. And why are you bad? Like, why do you keep losing games? Why do you keep finding ways to lose? That's probably a pretty big piece of this too. But yeah, like that, that to me is the bigger issue of just like, I, I think that the Raptors have, and this is what frustrates a ton of people. The Raptors have clearly already made their decision. Mm-hmm. The decision is Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes, I know. And so why aren't we just yeah, going exa- in and exactly. doing Exactly. And instead of just making this clear and obvious choice that you've basically done, they've decided to try to ride the two paths yeah. and it hasn't really brought them much. It's brought them to a point of frustration where it's like the only way you can talk about the team now. I know. Like I, I just saw, you know, Grange posted another article and he's like, Hey, it's time for these guys to win some games or, you know, they got to pick the direction. I'm like, man, this is the, the conversation we've been having now yeah. for years. For the sake of the discourse, pick a direction. Like, yeah. It just, there's, it, you know, it feels hollow at this point. And like, we see even overreactions to the wins sometimes from people that are like, sure. well, this is why you got to keep the, and you're like, ugh, it's exhausting. You don't want to be at the spot with sports fans where people are just like exhausted by even the wins where nothing feels like it has any meaning. And again, like this is why when I did hopeless franchise rankings the other week, and had Panthers at the top that I could even put the Raptors in the conversation for the honorable mentions because like they don't own their first round pick this year unless it's top six. So there's just a scenario where they there's let's, let's just say this plainly there. They're very, it's very unlikely that OG just ends up walking for nothing, but the same scenario is going to be on the table for him as was for Fred Van Vliet, where they're going to be able to go. A team says, we value you the most. We want you to play here and we will give you the maximum amount of money that we possibly can on a short-term deal and let you reset your market. And the Raptors will have a really tough time matching that. The Raptors will have to give you a pretty extraordinary contract for you to do that. It's like, all right, I like OG. I don't know if I like him on a max contract. Um, and if I'm like, I'm watching that Pacers game last night, right? I'm thinking, you know who could use OG and Anobi is like this Pacers team mm-hmm. that gives up buckets to every single player. Like when they were using Neesmith to guard Jason Tatum, I went, <laughs> you know who you'd probably like a little bit more than that? Uh, OG and Anobi. It just, yeah, it's, it's reached a point where like, I think normally these quotes would have even gone bigger. And maybe it was like some of the Shohei news just kind of dulling this a little yeah. bit. But I think Raptors fans are just at a point right now where, you know, there's always going to be the diehards, right? Like my mom that just watches every game and then yeah. just wants them to win and enjoys the the game and for what it is. And 
I get that. Like, kudos to that fan, actually. I think that you're kind of like the true winner in sports fandom. It's yeah, just like it's going probably more fun, yeah, honestly. Like getting, <laughs> getting to live in the moment with sports is awesome. But for, yeah. the, for the average sports fan now, I think it's way more commonplace to be living in multiple timelines. I've always said this, like uh, the modern day sports fans, a time traveler, like you're always living in the past, you're living in the future, you're living in the moment, like you're jumping around from thing to thing to thing all the time. You're sort of playing GM. You've got your hands on all of this. You're the GM, you're the coach, you're the fan, you know, you're putting yourself in the player's mindset. It's all these different things. But yeah, just it's, it's, I like I do this for a living, man. And it's hard to talk about the Raptors. Like genuinely, it's difficult for me to talk about the Raptors because I don't know what to say some nights. Yeah. Like their first round lottery pick is in the G League right now, trying to figure out his jump shot. Yeah. The one thing that he was supposed to do well. Scotty Barnes has some really good games and he really is inspiring some nights. Mm-hmm. And then there's others where he kind of floats and coasts and is a secondary figure. And you go like, what exactly is it? Because you, you can't, you can't tell some nights because Siakam dominates. And then you go, okay, man, Siakam's pretty awesome. He has some games where he can take over. What are you supposed to give him on a contract? Like, it's just, yeah, it's it just, it's tough, man. It's all really, this, really tough. All this from Nick? a couple of uh, bread quotes. I mean, what's going to happen when Dubas talks and gives his interview? What do you he's mean? gone. Why do we care? Like, he's gone. Like, when Dubas now gives his same type of interview, are we going to go off on, oh, like, yeah. what would have uh, for sure. done? Yeah, like, is it going to be the same thing? Like, yeah. They're God. <laughs> no, that's crazy. If, if, if Dubas gives this kind of an interview, it's going to be the biggest thing in the city for a week. Like, yeah. If he, <laughs> and let's show his still Buddy, Kyle Dubas, <laughs> gave, Kyle Dubas made one joke at a commencement ceremony and people talked about it. Like, obviously, they're going to have a major breakdown of whatever uh, tell-all he eventually gives. I don't think he will. Like, it's hockey. I it's doubt hockey. this ever happens. Maybe someday he writes a book and he decides to sell that story of, like, what really happens. But I don't think – like, you're not getting that – that story is not going to be free. Let's just say that story is not going to be a free one. Um, that's going to be either a huge uh, give to media people who are extremely friendly towards Dubas. And it's like, a, here's some give back. Here's a couple of quotes, or it's going to be a book, something he sells. Like that's the way that the Dubas things go. Um, and that's like, Ben, you think Fred, uh, you think Fred is giving this to Woj like on access? It's like Woj obviously carried some water for Fred as an insider. Like, duh. Fred's giving him this saying, you're one of the most powerful people in the NBA, Adrian Wojnarowski. I'd like to have you on my good side rather than on my bad <laughs> side. We've seen, like, we've Woj changed ESPN. Like, remember yeah. when Woj came to ESPN and they fired everybody because they were like, you yeah. decide the content now. Yeah. Like, it's Adrian Wojnarowski. Yeah. He's really, really, really important. So Fred VanVleet's going to give him these quotes. No, the reason why it's important is it's predictive of you. Like, why do we ever study history? Is it can be predictive of the past or the future? Is that it helps us better understand what is next to come? And so, yeah, that's why the Fred Van Vliet stuff is important is because OG and Obi might be sitting down in the same meeting. Pascal Siakam might be sitting down in the same meeting where they're going, we're still going to need you to sacrifice for Scotty Barnes. And you, you can't exactly play the, exa- the 100% the way that you want to play. And how is that going to be met? If the money is more somewhere else, which it could be in OG and Obi's case on a short-term deal, what's to say that history won't repeat itself? That's why these things are important. So, yeah, like, Messiah can be as straight up as he wants to be. Like, he just said it. You can't hide the energy as in you can't hide the energy of someone being excited about a new opportunity, someone feeling wanted. Like, Fred also yeah. talks in the interview about how, you know, there was his first dalliance with free agency and getting to feel like you're coveted by people outside of – everybody should, should know how that feels. Like, when people outside of your organization value you, that's, like, one of the highest compliments you can get. Yeah. That does give you a reality check 
of what's up within your own building. And like clearly the Rockets right from the jump were like, we are per- doggedly pursuing you with a lot of money yeah. <laughs> right away. Dude, what did you what did you say about, you know, I remember we talked once about when you lost your first media job and then you stepped outside of it and you were like, oh my God. Oh yeah. And yeah. I was, yeah. And you're it's, like, oh, there's actually a ton out here. Yeah. And you're like, oh, right. And uh, of course as NBA, it's a very different thing, but it probably felt pretty nice to be able to be like, holy crap, I want to go work on all these other projects and all these things ended up happening. Like it, that's how this stuff works. So I don't know, man. I just think that that there's some of this that fell under the radar, but there's some of this that is a reminder of just what may come for the Toronto Raptors. Anything. Anyway, uh, let's hit what else we missed. Any further in-season tournament uh, oh, yeah, thoughts? Yeah, I want to wrap yeah. this up. Yeah, okay. So my, I, I wrote down some bullet points for this. My number one was the confession that I really wish the Raptors were there, and that, like, that's done. Like, I did. I did. It was fun. It would have been really, really cool to see the Raptors play in that game and you you got to remember that for a Celtics fan, they're like, yeah, yeah, we've got tons of championships. Yeah. We would have liked to win that game, but it, it's not going to have the same meaning to each one. I think that the Raptors, despite the championship, should still be closer to the Pacers. And just how fun it would feel to have a young team that everyone is excited about that is on the same page or on that trajectory of like, hey, you're building towards something. Yeah, and playing in a game that had some juice. Like it had that, some actual juice. But that's it. Is To me, it's like again, you're trying to use this information to yeah. predict the future. It's and not when a game I, seven in a no, playoff game, but it's a game that has juice and actual meaning and consequences, right? Yeah, but you also learn that this was a huge game yeah. that the Pacers desperately wanted to win. Yeah. And Tyrese Halliburton went Stepped toe-to-toe up. with Jason Tatum yeah. and did not look like the lesser. Um, he hits that N1-3 at the end of the game that basically seals it for the Pacers. He was brilliant, though. Like, yeah, the triple-double, the way that he just gets no into... No turnovers. Man, and he, he gets to his spots, dude. And then when he talked after the game, he sounded messed up. He sounded like he had the... I was joking with my brother because we bet on the Celtics. And I was like, oh, he, I, he doesn't seem like he's sick to me. Seems like he's totally <laughs> fine. And then after the game, he's like, yeah, I was on a... Uh, uh, what's it called? The, the Not the breathalyzer. That's for drinking and driving. The aerosol? Puffer. Puffer, puffer. Yeah, yeah, puffer. yeah the puffer. But what's the real term for Inhaler. that? Inhaler. Inhaler, yes. Hey, there you yeah. go, yeah. 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 Nice. Yeah. 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 I was going to, my first shot was going to be asthma guy thing. Yeah, so, that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. He would have gotten it. That's the medical term. Yeah, also, familiar. just a reminder, Celtics have won championships since 1986, so they could use a little something too. <laughs> just throwing that in there. Yeah, all right. Just throwing that in there. Yeah, okay. Are you pumped for the Lakers? Uh, Lakers Phoenix yeah. tonight. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited so for that too. I'm excited yeah. for that too. That's a good one. Yeah, well, here's the thing: is it's it's KD and it's LeBron in an elimination game, so it matters. Like automatically, it just it's going to matter. Um, anyway, yeah, the tests part of it, I, I really felt that. I felt like it was stress testing the Pacers and their defense and their shot making and Tyrese Halliburton as a player. It was stress testing a little bit of the Celtics without Kristaps Porzingis, which is very I don't know fifty fifty yeah, for him I to don't be there. Think in the they're postseason. like full championship team without yeah. him, honestly. Yeah, it just it, it was a really really interesting game to watch. I loved Halliburton. It was a huge win for the NBA in terms of him being mm-hmm. uh, a new face of the league potentially mm-hmm. in a in a basketball market that matters. I was annoyed by the jerseys. <laughs> uh, the Pacers have some of the nicest jerseys in sports, and I thought we were robbed of that because of the like lameness of this new style thing that they had to go with. It's like, dude, you guys have the pinstripes and the Reggie Miller one with the three, you know, the, the three way color combo yeah, yeah. at the bottom, like uh, the, you know, everyone the knows stripe the thing. Yeah. Yeah. That I'm talking about rock. One of those, like this, this new, the Jersey that there are they, too many jerseys. No, but that, but that one in particular is a rotten one. Like yeah. they've gotten some absolutely rotten, rotten uniforms for yeah. Some of these playing games and some of these city editions. Like, I don't know who's designing these, but 
yeah, uh, you're doing a bad job. We need to rein it in a bit yeah. on the jerseys. Yeah. It's just like in a game like that, too, if you want me to feel like there's some stakes, give me some classic uniforms. Like yeah. make me feel the history of the franchises. Let me be reminded of who used to play on these teams as well. Not have it feel like an expansion team. I want to be thinking of Rick Smith as yeah, I'm watching yeah, this. You know what I mean? That's 100 percent correct. <laughs> that is 100 percent correct. Um, and then lastly on it is I watched the night game, too. And Sacramento gets out to this incredible lead. They shoot the ball. And I'm like, oh, well, this game sucked too bad. And then Pelicans storm back and they looked awesome. They're, they're just a deep team. They're like a really uh-huh. interesting deep team with a lot of different options, a lot of different ways that they can they can play. Um, Did it not cross your mind that the Kings gave up uh, Halliburton for Sabonis last night? Like that yeah, thought definitely. The thing is, is that Sabonis is really good too. It's it's like, and, and Halliburton's How having a... Like He's, they're going to make the playoffs for a few years. You see the Kings passing the first round, max second round team. Like to give up Halley for that? Yeah, see, uh, that hurts a little. I don't know. I just see, think too. So here's the thing, though. That trade is so interesting, obviously, and will be yeah. people will talk about it for a long time. But the other thing is like they were going to trade one of Fox or Halliburton, and at the time, Fox wasn't even what he is now. Like they yeah. would have been trading De'Aaron Fox at his lowest yeah. ever value, and never would have got someone like Sabonis. And so, like, who knows what they would have got Mitch, back. So, like, yeah. yeah, Halliburton's awesome. But, like, it also got Sacramento into the playoffs. And this now is, pretty this is classic Armin, though. Prisoner of the moment. Like, it's just... It, no, it's Halliburton, the Kings dude. being the prisoner of the moment because they're so desperate as a franchise. Dude. And desolate as a franchise. Halliburton is really good. He's a nasty player. And Sabonis is not a good defensive player either. But Halliburton is a complete turnstile. Like, he could not get a stop. They were attacking him the entire game. Like, he was the 100% the guy where they were like, him. Him, him, him. So he has an off shooting night and it's a really rough one. All I'm saying is, is it a trade that I think the Kings do again? I'm not sure probably, because, yeah, you know, not. they. I think that they're the losers of the trade. Yes. But Sabonis averages 20, 12 and seven, dude. Like he's the second best passing big man in the NBA. He can score at will with a million different post moves. And he's one of the I best rebounders it. at the position in the NBA. So like, I, 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 Fair, just, I get that. He was bad in the playoffs last season. He, he was absolutely was. also sick in the playoffs last season and hurt. So, yeah, I, I just, he's the reason why they were lighting the beam. They were one of the most exciting franchises in basketball last year while the Pacers were where. But is like, that gone? Like, the, my thing is, no. how long is that going to last for the Kings? We'll, we'll see. We'll see. They also have moves at their disposal, right? They're another team that probably would yeah, really, really covet Siakam or OG yeah. and like try to actually make one of those moves too. All I'm saying is, this trade is not like, Gabrielle Moreno for Dalton Varsho. Okay. Like, this is <laughs> like that one. No, I know. This is a, this is like a, this was a good trade for both teams. It just, it's, it's it just might be slightly better for yeah, the Pacers. It, exactly. And like, given where the two teams were on their trajectory, it's like, man, think about it this way too. It's like the, the Kings needed to break things up. They needed to, they needed to do something. They needed to make their fan base excited. And this worked for them. Like they, they started lit. winning games. So yeah, it did happen. Damn it. We can't, here's 20 seconds. Rapid fire. Poor, Blake Murphy and the Jaguars fans losing Trevor Lawrence <laughs> and poor all of us that have to watch the AFC playoffs this year. God, what a nightmare. Like losing another quarterback this season. Yeah. And one of the only ones that was actually compelling nightmare, 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 nightmare. Subscribe to the podcast, leave five stars. I'll see you tomorrow.